This episode of Priority One is brought to you by Sayulita.com. Planning your vacation excursion for 2013? Well, discover Sayulita, Mexico. Sayulita, Mexico is the closest thing to Planet Risa. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 121 of Priority One, recorded live on Thursday, March 28th, 2013, via trekradio.net, and published every Monday morning for download on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Tony. Tony, what have we got in store for this week? Well, this week we trek out an iconic Star Trek battle updated for the 21st century. In Stone News, we cover the latest Embassy project in Season 7 Dev Blog number 41 and so much more. This episode, we introduce a new segment titled Community Spotlight, which will cover all of our Foundry mission reviews, community projects, Fleet Admiral interviews, and other developments from the STO community. That's right, you guys make this news. This week, I'm going to interview Sam on Maui about the Dilithium Exchange. And as always, toward the end of the show, we'll open hailing frequencies and review your incoming messages. As we mentioned earlier, you can listen to us live on trekradio.net every Thursday at about 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. We take the stream at about 8 o'clock, 5 o'clock for our Pacific friends. You can chat live with us in-game, or you can visit trekradio.net and jump on their IRC chat client, which can be found under the community link. Priority One is an immensely successful organization built by volunteers. No one here gets paid. Trust me, my wife reminds me of that. If you believe you have a skill, talent, or have been dying to shift from listener to member, send an email with how you'd like to help. You can reach us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Yeah, if you think you want to, you know, get involved, if you got a knack for the audio stuff, Shoot us an email, incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. More importantly, we value your feedback, and all the submissions we receive for our show will be entered into this month's random drawing for 1,000 Zen. That includes comments on our website and emailed segment topics. Speaking of winners, congratulations to you, Chen, our lucky winner of last week's Impromptu Facebook contest. In order to be a part of these little last-minute giveaways, be sure to follow us on Facebook and you got to listen live every Thursday night on trekradio.net. Before we move on with the show, we want to remind you that PriorityOnePodcast.com offers more than just podcasts. We've got articles and blogs from some of the most respected members of the community. So be sure to visit PriorityOnePodcast.com for great content. Well, let's get ready to trek it out. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Well, this weekend, trek it out. I... I, 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 I'm, I'm, at, I, I'm at a loss. There, there are no words for this Trek It Out, but this is radio, so I'm going to try to find the words for what we have this week. I, I, and I keep it simple. Shatner. Gorn. Pillow Fight. Star Trek, the video game advertisement. Uh, it must be seen to be believed. 
You know, it, 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 it's just, I don't know if it's a sad commentary in the world today when the best stuff comes from the guys writing commercials. But this, that was very nice. David says I'm overacting. Well, dumb overacting. I'm talking about Shatner. I mean, come on. What else are you supposed to do? <laughs> I could bring it to the next level if you would like. <laughs> this is the rematch we've all been waiting for. Gorn versus Shatner. Kirk versus a giant lizard uh, man. Lizard. Dude, lizard man, dude. That looks nothing like the new Gorn in the new Star Trek game, which is fine. You no, know, whatever. They gotta. He looks they like sell no. It. This is the old Gorn guy. I mean, they like redid the costume. I'm sure they didn't pull the costume out of Paramount Vault somewhere or anything, but they made him look like the old Gorn from the TV show. Right. The lizard hasn't aged a day. Let's just put it that way. Yes. <laughs> it's a nice little commercial. It's really funny and a nice way to promote the game with a little bit of humor. I can dig it. I totally dig it. That uh, was funny. Everyone needs to go check that out. It'll be on our show notes. Uh, the chat room has it now. Go watch it. It's well worth the minute 40 or whatever it is. Go check it out. This is a lot better parody of himself than the Oscars. That's for damn sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And again, Shatner's at that age now where he understands that he cannot possibly take himself too seriously anymore. He just, he can't. Right. And he doesn't, and yeah. he's having fun now. And probably getting paid hand over fist, which I'm sure adds to the fun factor. But... That was probably filmed in his house. God, that would be... You know what? I would like to think so. I would like to think he, he invited like, Gorn over to his house. Like, I don't want to leave my house. Can we just film this in my house, please? Bring the Gorn here. Bring your Xboxy control Atari system that you have. Whatever new fangly gizmo you kids have these days. I'll play your Star Trek machine on my TV box, and I'll fight your Gorn. Just like the old days. And he busts out all those old moves, too. He didn't do the flying drop leg kick, which, all right, he's 82. Okay, all right, fine. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you the flying kick. You don't have to do that anymore. But he busts out a lot of his old moves, his old classic Kirk Fu. So uh, go check it out. It's good fun. All right, Captains, discover something you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about. Well, send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Your submission will be entered into our random monthly drawing for 1,000 Zen. Let's check out what happened in Stow News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Has your embassy been feeling a little sterile? Are those stone pillars, holographic interfaces, and metallic archways making you feel cold and dreary? Well, look no further. We've got the answer to all your embassy decorating needs. From the makers of the ergonomic hypospray and barbecue prongles comes Romy Grow. The Quadrant's first and all-natural, no-mess, instant plant life grower. In just minutes, you'll have beautiful green vines crawling up those drab pillars. Flowers at every workstation. It will be like working outside. And don't worry about the maintenance. Our product uses all-natural synthetic compounds to keep those pesky vines at bay. Worried about bugs? Don't! Our vines are genetically enhanced to kill insects on contact. The best part? It's safe for kids! Don't wait. Flex your green thumb without having to lift a finger. You can have your embassy looking like a jungle palace for just $20 of zen. Or get your social group rate. 25 buyers can use their 8,000 ore refinement caps. But hurry, this kind of offer doesn't grow on trees. Be sure to get your Romy Grow now. 
Rami Girl is not responsible for the growth of sentient Venus flytraps named Dodger. Should one begin asking to be fed blood? Don't. This could be a sign of imminent alien plant life invasion. Do not feed vines after mid. So that was our way of reporting on the latest Fleet Embassy project in season seven, dev blog number 41. Scott Goat Shark Shikoff introduces the latest Fleet Embassy project titled Green Thumb. After completing the project, you will have enhancements to your fleet embassy on New Romulus. IVs will attach to pillars throughout the embassy, along with some additional plant life. This special project will be available around 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on March 28th until around 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on April 11th, 2013. So, you know, again, this is a new decorative project with generally what you can expect to spend on this project, and that's about $20 worth of Zen, or if you get your members of your Starbase involved, it's 25 buyers using up their 8,000 dilithium ore refinement caps. So standard cost for a project, and now what we've come to expect from these. Yeah. I mean, they've said over and over again, these they've said over and over again, they expect the average fleet to have 25 active players. And by active, they mean somebody that logs on for a few hours a week and fools around. So, I mean, that's about right. If one guy maxes out his daily level cap and tosses that into the fleet project, that's about right. This is one of those working as intended situations where apparently it works for cryptic. Whatever metrics they're using, it says, eh, this is working. Enough people are doing these fleet projects that we're going to keep doing them over and over and over. And they're going to be decorative and they'll be pretty. Well, and, you know, I guess at this point, what we got to do is a podcast presented in a way that we can enjoy. And we'll do little commercials like that where applicable, like uh, Rami Grow. So stay tuned for how to get your hands on Rami Grow. All right, what else have we got? Triple is down and Redshirt is live. And now Triple is up because Redshirt is going to take the place of what Triple usually does as the test server for patches that will be going live immediately heading to holodeck in the next week or so. So we just want to break down for everyone the difference between Tribble and Redshirt. STO player Gims Quirk on the forums put it this way, quote, Redshirt is used to test minor fixes and C-store goodies and typically gets released onto holodeck within a week's time. Tribble now becomes the server that tests new content that will come in the next major release, hint, hint, the Romulan stuff. Now, Romulan stuff isn't out there just yet, Kind of is. We'll talk about that in just a second. But according to Zeronius Rex, the QA lead over at Cryptic, the reason for the server split is that Tribble can just handle it better. She says, quote, Tribble's a better server, more able to handle larger numbers of players, and we usually get larger numbers of players whenever we put out our massive update test builds. Well, they've started with the Tribble stuff. They've got the new UI up. Elijah, have you experienced this new UI? Yes, I have. I, you know, I was able to log into Tribble a few hours before going live, and I didn't just experience the UI, but I was able to explore a little bit, spend some time. I got on the SSOG TeamSpeak server, talked with them about it, kind of explored with them. They've added a lot. Right now, though, as of today, as of March 28th, you cannot create a Klingon or Romulan character. I don't know if you can transfer your Klingon. I don't know if if you had already transferred your Klingon, you'd be able to take over, but I was not able to create a Romulan character. That was locked out. In terms of the UI... I still stand affirm that the changes feel more like a tablet. I'm not too thrilled with some of the color choices. They contrast too much, but this is probably the first rendition. I think i got to just let it grow on me a little bit. I'm not really ready to give a critique about it. I just need to get in more and experience it. Use the menus. 
use the interface and just experience it more. I need to give it more time before I can give it an opinion. The other thing that was actually live was the reputation system. I don't know how and to what extent if you can actually start earning reputation points. I don't believe so. But now you will see the Nukara Strike Force. And there are some pretty impressive passive abilities. One of them was Enhanced Shield Penetration, which actually gives you the enhancement of ignoring 5% of your target's shields. It reads as ignore 5% of target shields. So better shield penetration. Something is ignoring 5% of the shield that just goes right through, like a transphasic? It's a shield penetration bonus, as Matthew486 describes it in the chat. A 5% boost to shield penetration. There's also, in terms of the passive abilities now, auxiliary power offense or auxiliary power defense. And lastly, your ultimate passive is a Tetrion Cascade ability. And what it is, is it's generally a chained lightning effect where you will blast out a Tetrion weapon out of your deflector and it will chain to a series of enemies that you have in, you know, AOE enemies, which seems interesting. This was a brief test that I had before the show. I couldn't get into the nitty gritty of things of that nature. You'll also expect to see the Nukara set. So a weapon, a shield, and an engine, I believe I saw, as well as their ground counterparts. The next thing that I was able to toy around with was the traits. Now, this UI was very difficult for me to work around. I don't know if it's a work in progress. I don't know if it was really designed to even hit Tribble. Thomas is soliciting feedback on this. Now's the time. Get on your soapbox, Elijah. Shout it out. No, I mean, I don't want to get on a soapbox because, you know, I just haven't had the opportunity of experiencing it more. But what I do know is that I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what was going on in that traits menu. So when you hit you and you check out all your player stats, your avatar stats, you have a tab for traits. And this is why I presume you will be able to respec your passive traits. Yeah, keep going with this, Elijah, because this is the sort of thing I think they want. Because you are an experienced player, right? But you're in a new part of the interface. So in a lot of ways, you're just like a new player. At least in this very narrow, at right, least this right, very right. narrow thing. And if you're having a hard time doing this, because you already have a concept of what the traits are, and you knew your trait respec was coming, and so you already have some kind of introduction to this. If you're having a tough time with this, the new player coming into Star Trek Online is going to have a tough time. And I want to invite the people to make sure you hit that thread that Thomas has out there. If you see something that kind of makes you go, "Huh," stop for a second and go, "Is this because it's not what I'm used to, or is this something new that they're putting on there, and I have no idea what's going on?" Just like a new player would. Give that feedback to them, and that'll make the experience better for the new player. So in terms of the respec aspect of this new interface, I don't know that this is a UI issue. This might be something else. It was not intuitive for me. I did not understand how I was supposed to respec. Now, from what I gathered after kind of toying around with it was that you can have nine traits. You select those nine traits and hit the it's TR confirm, I think. So trait confirm. That specific part is a little clunky. That I did spend a significant amount of time. It did not feel intuitive. So hopefully we'll see a little bit more development out of there. I'm sure that that's what it is. It just The whole retreat thing has not been pushed out to Tribble yet. And we'll see that in the coming weeks. I did notice one blatant typo was that on the column where you select your trade, it said Warp Theorist, but the tooltip read Techie. So heads up. <sighs> someone's getting fired. Someone, someone's, someone's, um, someone's head will roll. Yeah. Those are the key things that I had the opportunity of getting my hands on. I didn't get into a battle. To my understanding, when you get into a battle, your whole UI changes into a red alert theme. I do have a bit of apprehension towards some of the colors used. 
like the health bars, I'm not digging, but that's a personal thing. And again, it might grow on me. I'm not ready to give a full review of it until I've spent more time playing with the UI. What I can say is that I stick to my guns from what I said last week, that there are aspects of this UI that feel great as if it was a touchpad. I look forward to what this evolves into further in the coming weeks to see what other updates are made. Just keep an open mind. And most importantly, most importantly, when you hit up that thread about the comments on the UI, make sure it's constructive. Just try not to say, oh, this sucks. And that's it. What is it about it? For instance, the trait UI, it's not intuitive yet. And this probably has a great deal to do with the fact that it's just, it's the first version that we're seeing of this next expansion on Trouble. I have a feeling things will change in terms of that trait. So keep an open mind, get your hands on it, experience it, compare it to the old UI, maybe comparisons, but you know, just don't bash it. Overall, you know, the reputation system, Nukarat Strike Force looks pretty good. Those passives look pretty decent. Who knows if they'll even stay, if that's what we're gonna end up getting. Oh, one nice touch that I did enjoy about the new UI is your hailing. When you like approach a planet and it says, hey, do you wanna beam down or do you wanna dock or whatever? This is a spoiler alert. Spoiler, so mute it. I'm gonna give you five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. You actually see a view screen, and in that view screen is the face of the character that's talking to you. So it's not just like this head in space the way it was before. Oh, that's a nice touch. That's a nice little touch. That's a nice touch. Yeah, it is a nice touch. The login graphics and UI, like you know how when, forget which season it was, they changed it to where you saw yourself on your bridge? That has been changed to what looks like Earth Space Dog, and you have ships flying around, and it's more animated, the login screen. When you select your characters, there's a lot more movement. That's cool. That's nice. Nice touch. The view screen thing is a little big, though. It does take up a good chunk of your screen. Varzek in the chat room says, yeah, the view screen's a nice touch, but it uses it for your bridge crew, too. Oh, okay. okay. So that's a little That's awkward. a little awkward. It's like, hey, it's like texting somebody in the other room. Like, in, you know, you're in the kitchen, and your wife's in the living room, and you text her. On screen. Can you bring me the remote control for the TV, please? <laughs> Thanks. Bridge out. Or in Spaceballs, when uh, <laughs> yeah, he's right next door. Balls. We need you on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think maybe they need to find a way to differentiate between the bridge officers who are supposed to be there and everybody else. Take note, Thomas. I hope you're listening. So, I mean, again, this is my preliminary review. I hope to talk more about it next week for episode 122. But why don't we get on to some of the other patch notes that came out with Tribble. Remember, we go back to our interview with Al, is that they really are focusing on the new player. They really want to get the new player comfortable with stuff. And so this is going to impact the new player, and some of it's going to impact the more experienced ones. But the DOF system, they're changing so that you've got to get to level 11 before you can start to use it. And I think that's probably smart. Those of us who've been around for a while know that the duty officer system can be used pretty much to level a character all the way up in a pretty reasonable amount of time with very little effort without actually playing the game, the content. So I think what they're doing here, they're going to delay the first off system usage until you hit level 11. That's when you get your first packs. People who have characters between level 8 and 10 are going to lose access to their DOFs temporarily. So once the season hits, if you have any characters that are on holodeck, I think you're going to lose your DOFs for a little bit. But the pack that they gave you at level 11 now is going to be at 18. The 21-level pack is going to be at 23, but I think that's a smart idea. They want to get people into the game to actually play the game, not get it, get in, and then just start using the DOFs to level. Also, NPC-targetable torpedoes like plasma high yields will now be easier to hit. Remans will no longer use psionic attacks against non-living targets like turrets. 
Romulan NPCs are going to have a weapon proc that diminishes damage resistance and shield resilience. The proc on the Romulan Disruptor ground weapon no longer spreads to nearby targets, instead only affects the target itself. And summoned allies from consumable devices obtained via the Embassy of Romulan Reputation now use plasma weaponry to match up with other Romulan Republic NPCs. And this one's kind of cryptic and vague, but several Romulan NPCs have had some of their powers changed or removed. And so that kind of, I think we can guess that they're maybe going to be tweaking some things to be more in line with a playable faction. And most Romulan NPCs now have abilities that scale as they level gaining ranks or gaining entirely new abilities as you take on higher level versions of them. These are things that I think we ought to keep an eye on this on Tribble. Fight a lot of Romulans and see what happens to your ship. There's a prefix change coming, too, on that. IRW is going to be uh, what you see on the uh, Romulans now. I think, aren't they supposed to be doing our Romulan Republic Warbird? So I think maybe that's another clue. The bad guy Romulans, uh, I think this uh, podcast UGC kind of mentioned this a little bit in their show last week. It looks like it's going to be, though on the Romulan campaign side, it's going to be the Imperial Romulan Warbirds versus the Romulan Republic Warbirds. So it looks like there's going to be some kind of civil war. And maybe these changes kind of foreshadow a little bit of tweaking so that the Imperial Romulans are a little different, and they fight a little different than the Romulan Republic does to get introduce a little flavor. You know, So it sounds like they're kind of splitting some of the powers off between the NPCs the IRW NPCs, and the soon-to-become-playable Romulan Republic powers and abilities. Check it out and see what you think. I think this is kind of a again, foreshadowing of things to come. The shadow is looming at this point, guys. shadow's looming, and it's over on Trill. All right, we've got uh, our next piece of news. It's sad, unfortunately. It's been brought to our attention by a listener, uh, Elfwin, that the podcast Tribbles and Ecstasy had reported that Mark, also known as H2O Rat Valentine, the Perfect World video editor responsible for many of the latest STO trailers has been battling cancer for several months now. He's been on medical leave and has moved to Los Angeles to receive treatment. Unfortunately, as I'm sure many of you are aware, that cancer treatment can be extremely expensive and sadly, it was not originally covered by his insurance. In an effort to support his battle with cancer, we would like to direct your attention to a donations link to help alleviate the financial burden Mark is facing during this very difficult time. Please visit GoFundMe.com forward slash Valentine to offer whatever support you can. Mark, on behalf of the entire team at Priority One, please get well soon. We send you our thoughts, prayers, and positive energies for a swift recovery. Live long and prosper. Last but not least, we would like to announce that executive producer Dan Stahl is scheduled to be our special guest for episode 122 of Priority One. So you'll need to be following us on Twitter or Facebook to find links to our thread to submit your questions. So keep an eye on our Twitter feed, keep an eye on our Facebook, check out our forum thread where we say ask us questions, and then we'll ask them of Dan Stahl. And just to reiterate, those websites are facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and twitter.com forward slash STO priority one. Well, that wraps up Stow News. Let's introduce this week's community spotlight segment with an interview with Sam on Maui, STO's original dilithium tracker. Well, I'd like to welcome to the show Sam on Maui. How are you doing tonight, Sam? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you very much. 
Sam, I was uh, searching the internet the other day, and I saw your blog. And why don't you tell everybody what kind of blog you have? Well, my blog is actually just something I had started up for myself, but I think most relevant to everyone listening to the show is I do regularly post things about Star Trek Online, uh, primarily about the Dilithium Exchange. Now, for people that might not uh, delve deeply into the Star Trek Online economy, what is the Dilithium Exchange? Well, the Dilithium Exchange is actually probably one of the coolest things I've seen in the game, to be honest. When you play through mission content and different things in the game, you can burn Dilithium. And that's used for all sorts of things. But the most important thing for me, anyways, is the fact that you can sell that Dilithium for Zen. Or, if you happen to have uh, Zen and you need some extra Dilithium for a fleet project or to get that special thing for your ship you can actually buy it from other players. So it's actually really nice. One of the uh, selling points that Cryptic likes to talk about is the fact that you can get everything in the game just by playing. And so the Dilithium Exchange is the mechanism that you turn your playtime with Dilithium into Zen that you can get things from the C-Store, right? Yep, it's that pretty much nails it on the head. Uh, some players have more time than money, and some players have more money than time. Certainly, I've got a lot of friends of mine who are married or have kids, things like that, and they just can't spend the time in the game that they would normally have liked to in years past. So we know where the dilithium comes from. It comes from projects in the game and missions and other things that you're awarded for you know, basically playing the game. Where does that zen come from? Well, there's a couple sources for the Zen. The Zen ultimately comes from players who are wanting to buy things, but they can get it by buying it with real money from Cryptic and Perfect World. They can also fill out questionnaires and surveys and different things that Perfect World has to offer. And there's also those people who subscribe to the game or have lifetime memberships to the game, and they get a stipend of about... 500 Zen a month. So you've got three different ways that Zen comes in for people to try and buy things with. And let's talk more specifically about the exchange. So on the one side, we have the people with more time than money. Those people have extra Dilithium. And then we have the folks that have more money than time, and they've earned it in one of the three ways you talked about. So what do they do when the people with extra Dilithium meet the people with extra Zen? What happens? Well, what they do is they go to the exchange, and it's kind of like a big auction house, almost, or a stock market, I guess. And what they'll do is, if, say someone has the lithium they want to sell. So what they'll do is they'll set a price. Hey, I want to sell this much dilithium at this specific Zen to dilithium rate. And they'll go ahead and post that. If someone is out there is looking to buy and is willing to pay that price then the transaction goes through, and there's a, a swapping of the Zen and the Dilithium. And the reverse is also true. If you have extra Zen, you can say how many Zen you want to sell and name the amount of Dilithium you expect to get for that Zen. Exactly. That's definitely the way it works. So how is that rate sent? How do we know a transaction is going to go through? When you look on the Dilithium Exchange, there's a top five rates for buying Zen, and there's a top five rates for 
selling zen or buying the lithium when you look at those that's basically the most active areas at that point so if the, the top five rates for if you want to sell your dilithium uh you just put in that rate and that's pretty much where, where things are being most actively traded there's there are offers outstanding in that pool the top one is the one that's going to be the best for what you're trying to do so, for example, right now, I'm logged into the game, and I'm looking at the Delithium Exchange, and I'm on the Buy Zen tab, the very first tab. What I see is 103, little Delithium symbol, under the price column, and then right next to it, I see 153,376 little Zen symbol under the Available Quantity column. Translate that for me. What does that mean? Okay, basically what it means is at that rate, 103, you've got that much Zen that's available. So once that runs out, then it's going to go to the next appropriate number. Now that's a very large amount of Zen, so it's not going to run out quickly. Because the market's real-time, if you just sit around and watch it well, you'll see, see it go up, you'll see it go down, uh, you can watch as it, something disappears or as something reappears. That's kind of the, the real time, the, the size of the pool, how much is available at that rate. Okay, and if I clicked on the cell Zen right next to it, I see that 102 little dilithium symbol under the price column as the top line, and then right next to it is uh, 6,152 little Zen symbol under the available quantity column. So what that means is, People are trying to purchase Zen for 102 dilithium per Zen, and the entire player community out there, out of all the Star Trek Online players that have extra Zen, they've offered up a total of 6,152 Zen for that price. There's that, that much Zen available for 102 dilithium. Right. And again, that amount will change as the day goes on. Could go up, could go down. There's a a lot of things that seem to factor into what people are willing to pay. What kinds of things have you noticed that seem to affect these prices? Well, it seems that when the, the prices will change, depending uh, if it's the weekends or if there's a holiday, things will get busier, there's more transactions going on. Just since I've been doing this since uh, September before uh, Season 7 came out, I noticed that the amount of Zen being offered, the rates would change when you started getting closer to when the new the new season was going to come out, because uh, people were kind of holding on to their Zen, or they they weren't playing as much, so there was less Zen on the market, and uh, the people who were buying Zen wanted a little bit for their money. So the offer price in Dilithium went down. People were offering 95, then 94, then 93. The Dilithium became more precious at that point, right? Yeah, the what will happen is when there are times when a, you know some new lockbox comes out or uh, there's a new big fleet project, stuff like that, what will happen is people who have the money uh, and with Zen will pay a higher premium for the lithium because, like, we want the lithium, we want the lithium, we want the lithium, and they'll go ahead and they'll buy it for their fleet projects, for their new ship, and what will happen is the uh, price will go from, uh, say, 1 to 100 to one to 199 or one to 190 
184 even. They're paying a premium because they want to get it. They want to get it now. So they're willing to take less dilithium for their one Zen. Pretty much. Now, you said you've been doing this since September. Well, let's talk about what you've been doing. Tell us about your blog. Where can people go check it out? The place they can go to is Sam on Maui, S-A-M-O-N-M-A-U-I dot blogspot.com. And what do you have there for the people, Sam? It's whatever I feel like at the time, but generally <laughs> every Thursday <laughs> I'll go ahead and uh, put up something with a STO in brackets, and I'll have the, the lithium tracking for the past week. And how do you track the dilithium? What do you do? Well, I track a couple of different things about every day, occasionally on this day here or there. I track such incredibly interesting things as the current buying price for Zen, the number one buying price for dilithium or selling Zen. Then I also track the top five pools for each category that you see on each tab. I track the day. And one of the things I started doing as well is tracking the total amount of traffic or outstanding offers in the pools. So there's the total amount being that we can see with the buying Zen, total amount from buying the lithium, and kind of total traffic overall, which is looking and seeing, gosh, how much is being offered and theoretically moving around. You've got essentially a snapshot of the market once per day and you can see how much Zen is being offered and how much people are willing to either buy the Zen for or willing to part with their Zen to get the dilithium. Yes, pretty much. Uh, it's not the most precise tool. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff we can see, like all the successful transactions and things that go on throughout the day. I mean, I don't know how these things fluctuate you know, from one hour to another hour. The time of day maybe could be a factor as well. But generally, it's good enough to get a rough idea of what's happening. What got you interested in doing this? I mean, not everybody likes to make charts of dilithium exchanges all day. What drew you to this? Well, to be perfectly honest, I don't quite remember anymore. What I do remember, <laughs> though, is I think it might have been when the Frankie Lock boxes came out. So I was like, wow, I really wanted Decora. I would love to have one of those. But the idea of got money to throw around with my toys and stuff, and the things I enjoy, but the odds of getting one was kind of, eh, so I couldn't really see myself spending money on it. So what I ended up doing was, like, I've got some dilithium, I've got some zen, how does this whole thing work out, and what's a good rate? And I had all these questions that I didn't really know where to look or where to ask, so I started tracking these things, and what I was doing early on is, when I get my stipend, or when I earned a lithium through duty officer missions or doing different things throughout the game, I'll kind of set it aside and start trying to watch the market so I could buy low and sell high. So enlightened self-interest is really what brought you into it. That's probably one of the better ways to put it, but also <laughs> um, my, my friend Jonathan, who was uh, also my fleet leader, when I was asking him, he had no idea. I said, gosh, I wish someone would do something like that. And when we went looking, we didn't really see anyone doing that at all. I mean, it is kind of a dry topic, I'll admit. But it's actually been quite a bit of fun. Well, and it may be a dry topic, but this is useful information. I mean, this is how Cryptic gets to advertise that their game is completely free to play. This is the mechanism by which people with no money, no credit card, no 
cash at all can actually come in here and explore every part of the game and get every item that Cryptic offers. Absolutely, and that's one of the things when I saw Cryptic doing this and explained to the devs' logs and all that, I was like, this is amazing, because I've got a good number of friends that didn't have the money, because, again, because they have kids, or maybe they're between jobs, or really the money they had was already spoken for. So this was actually sort of a really cool way for them to get the things they want in-game, but they didn't have to break the budget. Walk me through selling 1,000 dilithium. How would I sell a 1,000 dilithium? Okay, the way you would go about that is if you look at the little map menu on the upper right-hand side of your screen, there'll be a little arrow. Click on that arrow, and you'll see dilithium exchange. Just go ahead and press that, and it'll bring up the menu for the Dilithium Exchange. Alright, so I'm on my screen here, and I see Dilithium Exchange, and there's a lot of columns and numbers, and I'm very scared. I worked hard for this 1,000 Dilithium, and it's all going to be taken to me by capitalist shark pigs. Help me. Help me, Sam. What do I do? Okay, well, the nice thing is it'll actually start you off. Uh, you can see three things in the bottom left-hand part of the window. Zen to buy dilithium per zen, and total dilithium to sell. What's nice is they're going to start you off at the best rate for your dilithium. In this case, it's 103 dilithium per zen. So it's yeah. already populated for me. The exchange, if I look at the bottom of the screen where it says buy zen, that's what I'm trying to do. I have a 1,000 dilithium to sell, so I'm going to be buying zen with my dilithium. The screen is already populated with the best price right now or the, the price that will get me the fastest transaction, right? Is that what's going to happen here? Pretty much, yes. Okay, so I don't even have to think about how much I'm going to trade here. I just need to sort of calculate how many Zen I can get with my 1,000 Dilithium based on the number that is already in the chart here. Exactly. And the easiest way to do that, actually, is go ahead and type 1,000 to total Dilithium to sell. I don't even have to calculate it. I can just say I want to sell a 1,000 dilithium, and I can just type that in. Exactly. Once you type that in and click away from there, it'll change the number to the amount that can be sold. So if you have a 1,000 dilithium at 103 dilithium per zen, what it'll do is it'll go to say, oh, wow, okay, you can sell 927 dilithium because it's the 1 to 103, and that'll get you... 9 Zen. From there, you just submit offer to buy. And there it goes into the Your Outstanding Offers box. Exactly. And since that was at the, the very populated pool, you will pretty much immediately get that 9 Zen. All right. So I have basically exchanged my 1,000 dilithium, which is uh, has maybe a typical amount you might get for about 30 to 45 minutes worth of gameplay at current rates. I've just turned that into 9 Zen. Exactly. So, you now if you begin the rates go up and down, but right now, in my personal opinion, it's been such a wonderful time to sell your dilithium. It's very much a pro-dilithium market. So, even a casual player, over the course of a couple of days, or maybe a week or two, can get a decent amount of Zen this way if they want to. How much dilithium can you refine per day right now in Star Trek Online? Well, right now it's 8,000 dilithium can be refined per character. 
So if you've got more than one character, you can earn the lithium a little bit faster. Although you want to be careful not to turn this into work, because that would just be no fun at all. So let's say I just spent two days and I've refined the maximum amount of dilithium, and I've got 16,000 dilithium to sell. At current rates, that means I'd get 155 zen, which is you know basically enough to get a, a lockbox key at this point. Yep, that's a pretty nice amount, actually. And the nice thing is, is you know, if you want to save it up, that's great. So they've got some wonderful stuff in the store. You can go ahead and use that to buy things like, say, a lockbox key. And some of these items you can buy, uh, the lockbox keys and the fleet modules, can actually be sold in the exchange. When you go into Earth Space Dock, you can actually use those to buy items that can be sold for energy credits. And that's a really nice and quick way to get a pretty good amount of energy credits quickly. All right. Well, Sam, I want to thank you for helping us out here, learning a little bit about the Dilithium Exchange and helping out players maybe try something they haven't tried before. Absolutely. That's one of the great things to Star Trek is there's so many different ways to play the game and enjoy the game that I think there's a niche for pretty much everybody. All right. Thanks, Sam. And once again, you can visit Sam's site, samonmaui.blogspot.com. Check out his charts. He's got uh, several months' worth of data there. You can see what price of Dilithium and Zen have been doing. And get into this cashless economy. Thanks a lot, Sam. Thank you very much. Why don't we open up hailing frequencies and see what's incoming? Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, coming to us via the STO forum. Chow Pen writes, good episode, but I disagree with Romulans being more popular than Klingons. Ha ha, told you so. It isn't true. <laughs> Even in TNG, when the Klingons were still at peace with the Federation, they were always villains. The reason? They really couldn't write Romulans well, and as a result, they were not nearly as popular as Klingons. They didn't know what to do with them. Just by sheer weight of episodes, Klingons far outnumber them. Thank you, Chow. Well, let me pretend I'm James for a second here. And just hold on a second. I'm going to channel James. Okay. okay. That's not true. Come on. You know that it's not true. Klingons, no one likes them. They're not friendly. They're not good. Everyone hates them. Ah. Okay, I'm done. The best part is he's right. not here to defend himself. And so next week, I fully expect to completely have my ass handed to me. Azurian Star writes in, Well, maybe Cryptic is going to keep their word and finish fleshing out Klingon content at the same time as they release the Romulan faction. Maybe. <laughs> Super Valdor hails, yeah, the Smexy. Romulan's more popular than KDF? Eh, it depends on the content, but if it's more copy and paste of Tac Eng Psy, the Romulan will just be a flavor of the month, and in the long run will be likely equal or smaller population than the KDF, especially after those KDF players who heavily invested in sea store ships. Hmm. I have thoughts, but we're gonna finish the rest of the feedback, because there's a lot of comments kind of in the same in the same theme. All right. And coming to us via our very own PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tawani writes I'm not so much into politics, but I'm going to steal one of their statements to claim I am an 18 percenter. I can't wait to play Romulan. <laughs> Yay! Hopefully there'll be a huge influx of players that jump in as Romulan. What else have we got? 
Well, Anonymous writes in on the new Romulan faction discussion. Remember, this is the first major new content release on this scale. So the game will get a huge spike in people playing until they hit level 50. P.S. Keep Tony around. He knows what he's talking about. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) Thanks. Who would you have to pay to have that written? I don't know, but it was it cost me sixty gold press latinum. That's why they're anonymous. Yeah, making it rain. Make it rain. Make it rain. <laughs> All right, Nicolonus writes, looking forward to the new faction and finally being able to change that display color for the Klingons. It hurt my eyes too much looking into that red display. Leah writes in, I'm going to start having to join in the Trek Radio discussions to defend the reboot. You guys are mad rude to my boys. Yeah, we are. Listen, we just tell it how it is, Leah. It, we just tell it how it is. You can defend it all you want it. on the next episode of Trek It Out. Bring it. Sean Newboy says, Hooray for Romulans! Finally, I can play this game the way I always wanted to. Time to destroy Earth once and for all. Great show, guys. We will stop you, Sean Newboy. I'm one of the 82 percenters. Come on. Give it your best shot. All right, Decker73 writes, I was a bit disappointed in that blog about tips for small fleets. It seems to be targeted towards letting players in small fleets get equipment usually only available to larger fleets. What I'd like to see is a blog with tips for small fleets for ways to help speed their own progress along in the current system. Great show, guys. Keep up the good work. Now, that is a fine idea, and I think we have a future field notes segment. I'll work on that. Grand Negus writes in, the KDF faction in this game has gotten such a bad reputation that there are a lot of people that will never touch it no matter how much content they add, and I think Cryptic PW knows that. However, as Tony said, Romulans are something completely new and free from any existing stigma. I also think James made a very good point about the Romulans being something of a middle ground between the two extremes of the Fed and KDF factions. So while the idealistic part of me wishes they could have fully finished the KDF before starting the Romulans, the realistic part completely understands why they did it this way. And to be completely honest, I'm incredibly excited about this expansion with the new movie coming out in May, a free Trek MMO, and now this expansion. This is truly the greatest time in history to be a Trek fan. Keep up the good work, everybody. I have only one thing to say. The Nagus is wise. The Nagus is wise. Grand Nagus, it's been a while since we've heard from you, and I'm glad that this is what you said after not hearing you for, for a while, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yu Chen writes, With Vulcan High Council leaving Romulus to its doom, and a long history of leaving less advanced civilizations to face existential disasters alone in the name of the Prime Directive, and at a time when the Klingons successfully defended Alpha and Beta Quadrant from undine infiltration with their invasion of the Golden World, Cryptic have set up a backdrop where KDF could have been a great foil to the Federation. Having dropped the ball on this badly on Klingons, I don't see how the Romulan faction could be successful. And Jake Galloway writes, loved the show, so when are you going to get Al Rivera on the show for six hours to talk about the new Romulan faction? Oh, we're going to get him back. Oh, yeah. Iron Ass knows that his day is coming, and he'll be in that chair, that comfy, (laughs) comfy chair for six hours under the intense scrutiny of James. All right, and a special thanks to everyone who uh, retweeted our messages. To our latest followers, Fire Creature, NSO Wolf 359, and JW Left. Green Dragon writes, My thoughts are that it would 
have been significantly harder to hype a fixed second faction than a new third faction. Instead, Cryptic used Romulans as a justification to put resources back into the KDF. It's a smart move on Cryptic's part. All right, this was a great week for feedback, and it got me thinking, and what we've seen from the devs so far, and I listened to podcast UGC and listened to those guys kind of argue and hash stuff out, read our feedback. I've been kind of, I've been looking at the forums a little bit. I have a prediction. Would you like to hear my prediction, Elijah? I would love to hear your prediction, Tony. Well, I'm glad you said that, Elijah. Here is what it is. KDF is going to get levels 30 through 50. The content they have now is going to go back to level 1, and it's going to level you up through level 30-ish. Then, these 20 new levels are going to be the prequel to the Romulan campaign. The Klingons are going to be actively involved in setting up the Romulan campaign. Then, you're going to have a full Romulan campaign. What that's going to do is it's going to force the 82 percenters that come into the game and say, I want to be a Fed. And they're going to roll themselves a fed, and they're going to go 1 to 50. And they're going to go, that was cool, I wonder if the story keeps going. Sure enough, it does, but you got to go play a KDF player, 1 to 50, to get the next chapters. And then you go right there to the Romulan campaign and go 1 to 50. So all three factions are going to be 1 to 50. But if you want to have the entire STO story, you're going to have to play all three factions. And what that does from an MMO standpoint, is you've got people who can start the game at any time and start the game with any faction. But if you want the whole story, you are going to have to play all three. You could probably skip the Federation one. So you're saying that they're just not simply porting over the same mission across Federation, Klingon, and Romulan. No. That they're all going to be separate, independent missions with its own flavor. Yeah. And in order to get the full story... Okay. This this right. this, can, this is my prediction. Can, this is my prediction, and I'm and I can eat that. You, know, you like that? And this and this is this is why the whole thing in an MMO is cheeks in seats. If you got people playing the game, the longer they're in the chair playing the game, the more likely they are to spend money. <laughs> we know that Star Trek people, the people that are going to stick with the franchise and stick with Star Trek, they love stories. They will not be able to resist rolling a new character at level one to play more story. I like the idea. I like the idea, but I don't know. I think it would be overkill to do 1 to 50 on each faction. You would actually lose players because once you hit 50, nobody likes the feeling of being a noob again. So what is the only thing that will get people to swallow their pride, go back to Newbieville, and roll a level 1? Story. Yeah, but I don't think even story. I, for the average MMO player... For the gamer that they're trying to, you know, entice this game for, you know, to get more of an audience, I don't think that's going to fly. They're going to get to level 1 to 50 in a free-to-play MMO. Yeah, they might do it for the Klingons. I don't know that they're going to want to feel like a noob for a third time. But, I mean, and that's the point. How do you overcome that? And I say, this is the great experiment. They're going to try it with story. People have been demanding it. The great content drought of 2011 or whatever it was, you know. People have said, give us more more story. Give us more Star Trek stuff. That's what we want. And I think they're saying, okay, really? Well, prove it. We're going to set up the game this way. We have to make it work as a business first and foremost. We're going to set it up so that we have things that are character bound. If you want to buy certain things from the fleet store and stuff like that, they're going to be character bound. So if you want the cool stuff, it's a per character thing. And if you want the story, you're going to have to roll a level one character 
and jump through all the hoops that we set up for MMO Cheeks and Seats playtime. If you want the story, then you're going to have to put in the time and the effort that it takes to get that story. And Alice talked about this tons of times. It takes them hours and hours and hours of labor to put together a featured episode mission, and people burn through it in 45 minutes. Well, they spent months putting together a Romulan campaign and finishing the KDF campaign. And I'm going to tell you, they're going to want some return on that investment. And how you do that is you make people jump through the MMO hoops. And if they don't want to, that's cool. They've spent a lot of time and effort putting together an endgame. If you want to get to level 50 on your Klingon and stop, cool. It's fine with them. They don't care. It costs them nothing extra to have you do that. People in the chat room are saying, well, you know, it's not different from the rest of us who have created multiple characters. But the, the, when it... Ah, but the DOF system. You, I, I've, leveled up, but, I've leveled like four. I've leveled like four to max using just the DOF right. system. But you're not the casual gamer then. You are now the hardcore gamer. Casual gamer might have one, two alts maybe. But, you know, hardcore gamers, and not just in Star Trek, but in general MMOs will have the four, five, six, will pay for the extra slot. You have a valid point, and it's a good approach. I just don't know that that'll sell. I don't think that the average gamer is going to want to hit 50, have that leak gear, and then say, oh, man, i got to start from the beginning. Yeah, they might do it for a few levels and then get bored and then switch back to their KDF or switch back to their main because their friends are running STFs or fleet actions, and, and they would rather be on that elite character. Not to mention, like, like even people in the chat room have said, they already have multiple characters. Now you're saying they have to create two more characters to experience the story. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I can't offer a resolution who knows? We'll see. We'll, see. <laughs> well that's my prediction. Again, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. That's what I say. And maybe this time you'll get to replay the clip of me being an idiot and making this bold prediction about all this wonderful stuff and being so smart about it. Maybe you'll get to do that to me. I think that that's how they're going to do it, and I think it's genius. Evil, evil genius. All right, and coming to us via email, Elflin wrote... Hi, all. There are a few points I'd like to make, so bear with me. First off, I'd like to ask you guys to give a bit of a pause before you start blurting out info on the new J.J. movie. Some shows have spoiler intros, but even if you don't have that, then pause just a little before you start rambling off into some that some folks might not want to hear about. My bad. Well, this was my bad, actually. This was I think this is in reference to the uh, Trek It Out we did a few weeks ago that had the Brazilian press got to see a big uh, extended preview of the new Star Trek movie. And I went back and listened, and I kind of went like this. Hey, guys, watch out. There's spoilers coming here, there. And then just went right into it. So I think uh, I think uh, that good advice. Good advice. Good advice. And next time we'll kind of go, hey, there are spoilers and lastly, a question. Are combat parsers all they're cracked up to be? A discussion over a 10,000 DPS done via Fleet Galaxy with beams brings this question into light. Here is a link, and don't worry. You only have to read two pages to get the gist of it. Tony, you read these two pages? Oh, I, you know what? I did because I'm an overachiever. I read the whole damn thing, and I have a word yeah. or two. Because we did a show a few weeks ago about the advanced combat tracker and kind of show people how to do that. We had the show about the key binds. What we're trying to do here, and what I think the intent of a lot of players are, we want you as players who want to invest the time and trouble to get better, to get as good as you want to be. And the Advanced Combat Tracker is a good way to do that. Measuring yourself against yourself. Making yourself better. And making yourself be the player that you want to be in the game. If you want to use that tool, and cover your ears, children, if you want to get into a pissing match with other players using that tool, that's fine. Go right ahead. But our work with the Field Notes segment is meant to help the casual player improve to the level that they want. 
the original poster in that thread that I just stuck in the chat room and will be in our show notes, he was justifiably proud of his build, and he wanted to share it with everybody. And people wanted to nitpick about, oh, you're running Infected Elite, and those things have insta-heals on them, and so that really ups your damage potential. And, oh, well, you're taking advantage of team buffs like uh, Attack Pattern Beta. Well, who cares? Really, who cares? The idea is is that he is achieving a goal that he set for himself and showing other people how he did it. That's the point. We want to help other people in the community get better than they are if they want. If they don't, they're not going to listen to our show. They're not going to check out the forums for, you know, beam boat builds and stuff like that. They're just not going to. But if they do want to get better, let other people help them. And if you have something positive to say or if you think that the guy is full of it, and justifiably so, do it in a respectful way so that people can get both sides of the story in an honest debate. You don't need to nitpick people for their choice of tool or what patch they're using. Help them explain themselves better to the people who are coming to the forums going, should I have beams? Should I have cannons? Should I have turrets? Should I have torpedoes? Should I have mines? What should I have? Help them out, and we'll all have more fun. End of rant. All right, captains, we want to thank you, each and every one of you, for all the feedback that we received on episode 120. There was a ton of feedback, and boy, did that make us happy. Please feel free to reach out to us for anything you guys want to tell us. Always incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or via our online form at www.PriorityOnePodcast.com. Leave comments at the bottom of our show. Well, that wraps up episode 121, broadcast live from TrekRadio.net. Remember that we are on air every Thursday night at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. We've been getting amazing feedback and tons of it lately. Thank you so much. And we play much better to a live audience. You'll have fun. The Priority One Network is expanding, and we're in need of two audio editors to help with the weekly publication of our podcasts. So if you feel you're up to the task and have always wanted to participate with the cast and crew here at Priority One, then send us a sample of any of your audio work to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We are looking for your suggestions and ideas for Trek It Out, field notes, and general show improvements and additions. Again, thank you for the feedback this week. I think I'm going to take a look at the suggestion to take another crack at the Small Fleet Starbase for a field note segment in the future. You can submit your ideas and questions with our online form on the Priority One website via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com, Facebook, or Twitter. All right, coming up towards the uh, end of the month, we've got our next installment of Alex Calderwood's phenomenal comics, so be sure to keep your eyes peeled on www.priorityonepodcast.com. And we are on Facebook. Head over to www.facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast and say hi. Or check us out on Twitter via at Stowe Priority One for showtimes and other cool stuff. All right, Captains. As always, we uh, like to point you to our donation button right on the homepage of our site. We don't pocket any of the money. This is really to just fund the server costs, bandwidth, any tools, software that we might need. And, of course, to cover any costs for travel to uh, certain conventions that might be coming up, whether it's near or one of those? far. Oh, there is one of those coming later this year. Uh, Vegas. Vegas. So if you have the chance, please click on that donate button and offer whatever you can. We very much appreciate it. We also have our Amazon affiliate program where you can download a nice little nifty extension for your browser. Currently, we're working on the Chrome, but Mozilla Firefox extension does work. Otherwise, you can actually click on our Amazon link on the homepage to shop via Amazon. Thank you to everyone who has already donated. We so very much appreciate it. You guys have a piece of our hearts. 
We would like to thank the entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our production assistant and art director, Alex Calderwood, our audio engineer, Lennon Rich, and the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our special guest, Sam on Maui. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com, our syndication partners, Subspace Radio, Trek Radio, and the Trek Radio Live crew. And of course, the Stowe community. Without you, none of this would be possible. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Before we, before we move on with the show. Okay, let me get start that over. Before we move on with the show, we want to – stop laughing. You're laughing at me. I, I, Sorry. I, I, I Sorry. got out of my zone. I, I'm, out, I'm out of character. Sorry. and I'm going to – okay. All right. I'll say about the show. 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 Okay, okay. Check it out. I'll check it out. Okay. You can submit your ideas and questions with our online form to the Priority One feedback. All right, and special. First... Ooh, that's why we should write names. <laughs> that's why we should write names. And you told me that you told me you want me to do the sweep out of the interview. We had the, we had oh, this yeah, all right. this I'm huge. An, we had this huge discussion. I'm, a I'm an idiot. I know. Okay. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot, and keep, that's all I can explain. Keep saying that now, Lennon. Sorry. Lennon, we need that clip now. I'm a moron. I'm a moron. I'm an idiot. I know. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot, and that's all I can explain. Coming to us again via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Looking forward to the new faction, writes. Oh, crap. Okay, everyone. Elijah's on the internet I'm leaving now. now. I'm done. Bye. <laughs> See you, guys. Bye. I'll catch you later. <laughs> I do know for a fact that there is a lot, that there is still a lot due for the Klingon faction to be done. Wait. I do. Sorry. <laughs> Rummy grows. Not responsible. Tony, go. Rummy grows. Not responsible for the growth of sentient Venus flight. Damn it. Just to give you a heads up, uh, let me first load it up because I didn't prepare. No. That. Play me off, Johnny. Play me off. The dead. All right. The dead. You happy? The dead. The dead. They're never coming back. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Elijah, are you there? Are you there? Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I'm here. Hello? Yeah, a lot. I wasn't sure if. Oh, you weren't sure if I was done? Sorry. I should, I should, I should have like a sign-off line. That's the way it is. And that's how I see it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, skeet. Screw you, San Francisco. <laughs> Stay class, India. <laughs> Don't forget, I'm an idiot. <laughs>